County Road Bubble, Bubblers podcast. That's kind of get me weird. It's had to be one of them seasons, hasn't it? Um, this is obviously our end of season one. It's always a bit fun, a bit of a laugh. There's not much laugh about this season, but there we go. We're joined by Roger Armstrong, obviously a semi-frequent uh, guest of the Bubblers and a good friend of ours. And a debut from Sarah from Men's Culture Podcast. I'm sure you've heard of Sarah along the way. Some of the fantastic pods work that, she, um, pod work that she has done already looking at culture. Um, and obviously you're adding so much needed diversity to us today, Sarah, as well. It's normally us drunk and not discussing loads of crap, so hopefully you can add a bit of intelligence. And I'm speaking about myself, not Roger, of course. <laughs> in the words of uh, Charles Bukowski, an American writer from LA, he said, some people never go crazy. What truly horrible lives they must live. It's an interesting perspective, and we've been through some absolutely crazy things this year. The, the rise and the fall of a copy manager. Drunken live transfer window, joined by Roger with over 15,000 live listeners. God knows how we got through that. Four protest walkouts, four protest sit-ins, managerial candidates, very much high sports, unnecessarily large bulk croppers, climate change protesters, crowd gatherings, canine crowd surfers, blue pyro-painted smear-faced Evertonians, and Viking poets. What a ride and what a rush. Um, so we'll try and depict some of that and look back and it just doesn't feel real, I think. Um, Sarah, since you're, you're the first on today and your, your debut, where do we start? What are your thoughts and reflections on that crazy season? I don't know how you decipher that, to be honest. Um, when you condense it like that, it feels... To me, now, I don't think I'll ever actually get over it because looking back, it feels like it was... 10 years ago so much happened in that in that short space of time time sort of felt like it stood still um and that weight lifted as well after the palace game um felt like everything came to a head didn't it and it was just such a relief for everybody um I think from probably seeing you for me it all sort of fell into place the Chelsea game and seeing you before at the Winslow and panicking that maybe we might get 50 people, maybe a hundred if, if we were lucky and, and stepping outside and, and not actually being able to move. And from that moment, I just felt like there was this huge push. The fans felt galvanized. And I think just the end of the season, it's, it's all just come to one massive head, hasn't it? And we're all just getting used to experiencing it and living through it. We're still talking about it and things that we'd forgotten and um, still a lot to do. Uh, I feel like we're just on the cusp of it now, what we can achieve together. Um, and what a, what a pleasure to have, have been a part of it and to have met so many incredible Evertonians through it, you know. Right, Tony said, I think it was, you know, some people we didn't even know, you know, to walk past in the street. And then all of a sudden, you know, we've sat there in them last few games and it was normal to meet some of the fantastic Evertonians really from from different courses that we may have not spoke to or, or even agreed on a lot of things in the past. Uh, Roger, um, obviously Sarah's just kind of touched on the important elements and some, well, most should argue the most important elements, which is the fans. Uh, what are your thoughts and reflections on the season? Um, you know, obviously that very much a, a kind of fan perspective. Um, where did it go wrong? Where did it go right? Anything in between? I mean, what was what's all the fuss about? We stayed up. <laughs> um, where do you start? I don't think you can ever start. I don't think we'll ever have a season like this again. But but then, 
I mean, it is the maddest season in the history of the club, I think, by by an absolute country mile. Um, and started off, I don't think I've ever started a season less optimistic and people <laughs> seeing me on Twitter and talking to me about Everton might think that's impossible. But, you know, the, the appointment of Benitez was utterly suicidal and completely stupid. And anyone who was associated with that appointment should no longer work at the football club, in my opinion. Uh, it was only going to end one way. And we may well have got off to a decent start. Um, you know, the players managing themselves might have also got off to a decent start, but it was always going to end in tragedy. Um, <clears throat> I remember, you know, being indirectly involved with a lot of what was going on in the early days of the 27 years campaign. I remember the, the sort of furore when a few anonymous people turned up outside the uh, Royal Liver Building with some banners and, 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 and that. And then I remember feeling really, really proud and really jealous that I wasn't outside Goodison that night that we stopped Pereira being appointed. Um, I think that was just the biggest demonstration of fan power. Um, and it was absolutely needed. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise, because without that, Pereira would have been appointed and we'd now be looking at championship football, I think. Um, the only game I managed to get to this year, I could have got to Southampton, but for various reasons, people might know that I couldn't actually get there from Bournemouth. Ridiculous, because there were no trains that Leicester at home. And I actually think that was a pivotal game because that late goal by Richardson gave us some hope. I thought game, the Leicester home game, was really down outside the ground. I felt coming at it 18 months that I'd been able to get to Goodison. The, the mood was really down, talking to stewards and the people I sat with. Tony Sampson had very kindly uh, given me access to his enclosure tickets. I was there with my dad. I was there with my son, Glenn. And, you know, that last minute goal. was the derby. But I think that gave some confidence that led into the Chelsea victory and those vital three wins from the last six games that kept us up. Um, but without the fans, without the imagination, the creativity, the passion of the fans, without the blue flares and, and without the banners and without the passion, we would be down now, even if Frank had been managing us. And, and um, you know, it's however long it is since the end of the season, it seems a lifetime ago, but I cannot believe we haven't heard a word from the Sorry, you just cut me up a bit there, Roger. Um, I don't know if the, the internet connection, but I think you mentioned about the board. Um, you know, I think most Blues will accept that it's about time we start to see a plan. I kind of half understand why it wasn't it wasn't relayed maybe when we were in the position that we are, but now we're safe. You know, obviously there's been the, the, some changes in the background. Um, I'm going to say some changes. There probably still needs to be much more. Um but, you know, I think the collective view from fans, I certainly said to the club on the last fans forum meeting that, you know, the, the sentiment is the fans deserve an explanation. You know, some fans believe that we should have an account as to some of the issues that have happened last season and, and who's accountable for them. And also, you know, a bit of a plan and a look forward. What can we expect? What is Everton in 2022? You know, what, what actually is our identity? Um, you know, all them, all them important questions really can't be overlooked. Uh, Roger, um, do, do you think uh, obviously we've just briefly lost you there, you, I heard you say about the board just towards the end, we haven't heard from at the moment is that something that you think we need to say in 
do we need to know the ins and the outs of what's going to happen or do we need you know we're seeing some of the detail and some of the expectations of milestones is that is that sufficient and, and who needs to come out and tell the fans that Look, we, we've spoken about this for so many years since I've been doing this kind of stuff, you know, starting with Business Matters six over six years ago and talking about Mashiri and the owner and the board. And it's actually really, really, really boring, you know, um, to have to have the same conversation time and again. But I think the fans deserve some answers and I think the fans deserve some hope because we dragged hope out of a bucket of shit, really. You know, the fans showed commitment to, you know, People have told me that this squad is good enough to be in the top half of the table. Frankly, I don't agree with them. I think it's a really appallingly ill-balanced squad and in something of a miracle that we stayed up. Um, so I think the fans do deserve some answers. All I've heard is, apart from, you know, very, very conspicuous silence, is that apparently we're going for young and hungry players. Great. We should have been doing that six years ago. Um, and we have a new man in charge of the academy. And we have some undoubtedly very talented uh, coaches, whether that be you know, the more experienced uh, Paul Clement or, or the very talented Edwards and, and Cole. And we've got a manager with charisma and a track record who should be able to attack, uh, uh, attract players by way of uh, a Frank. But I'm no, clear, no clearer in, in knowing what style of football we're going to play because we played a variety of styles of football last season, two or three different ones in the same game at times. Um, and I'm not sure whether we'll be able to hold on to our key assets at the top of the pitch, Richarlison and... DCL and, and obviously Jordan in goal. I'm very worried that I don't think we have a midfield worthy of the name, a functioning midfield, whether that be a four, a three or a two that we're going to play in there. So, yeah, I think the fans need a little bit of information. We, we don't need to know every last detail of what's going on, but I think we deserve better. Definitely, Sarah. You know, looking at what other clubs do, I mean, Man City have been kind of highlighted as a bit of an ex exemplar in this Um should we start to be, to be engaging fans in different ways? Are we being, you know, you look at, I think the overlap, for example, has, has been, you know, a welcome thing, thing for fans, you know, where the fans get to speak to some of the, you know, the professionals out there. Could Everton adopt a similar approach? That's been mentioned right, lately on, on Toffee TV, actually, but could Everton adopt a similar approach to that? Maybe open some of these characters out to questions. Obviously, we, you know, could argue that that was what the AGM was for, but now the AGM doesn't seem to, to be happening or, or happening anytime soon. Can we do things differently? And, and, and what are your thoughts on, on the way that we engage fans and, and give them the information they need to look forward? I think prior to the end of, of last season, it felt it did feel it again because the AGM obviously was taken from shareholders. I think there was a real disconnect from fan and club. And I think we've actually brought the club closer to ourselves now. Um, we've actually done that um, just just from finding our own identity again, I think. We've talked about that for, for years, haven't we, that we're lacking in this identity. And there was so much tribalism between fan base that um, it almost felt we were constantly at each other, you know, different groups. And I think what it's shown is that how much we can actually achieve together just by different voices being heard and, and moving forward as, as as one collective. And I think the club have probably realised um, over the last few months how vital a role we, we play and that the club essentially is 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 about the fans and, and we do own it, really. I mean, it, it can't ever be taken from us. We will be here until the end of time. You know, board members will come and go. Um, owners will come and go uh, passing ships but fans are actually the heart of it and um, I think they do need to have those channels that are opened 
I know yourself, you're one of those um, at the forefront of that and you've really changed how I felt about fans forum as well. I know there's some fantastic people on there now. Um, Tony, Siobhan, they're, they're really pushing for the best for the club and, and for voices from, from every angle to be heard. And I think the minute we start doing that and the club take that seriously and um, not, not allow, but just accept that that is what is going to happen you know, because it needs to happen. And um, yeah, I think that's really important that that, that happens. And I don't think it's it's happened enough from our club. And um, but I, I think it's it's safe to say it, it will from now on. You know, I'm going to... I think that's right, yeah. but I think... That's... Sorry, Roger, I was just going to say, I'm going to reverse the schedule back around a bit. Um, and I think you're right to raise that. You know, obviously the Tracy Crowd tribute just happened with a set of recommendations. Um, you know, the fans forum, obviously been on, on it for two years. I think the engagement team at Everton are excellent. You know, Mo, um, Christine and, and Beth and, 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 and like to them. But, you know, the, the, they only offer, you know, they've been great with the atmosphere and they've helped us in a big shout out for all the work they've done. But I think what the Tracy Crowd tributes highlighted is that, you know, it's strategic levels, isn't it? Um, you know, it's it, it's not necessarily we're complaining about the engagement team. They're fantastic, but it's a level above them. You know, the, the higher senior management. Yeah. Time. Uh, and this was this was really, if you think about it, Dave, this was a very unique time. So really the club didn't have much choice but to listen and engage with the fans. And it was it was proven that that it helped. And and like Roger said, it actually helped us survive and pulled us over. And so I think it was a point of desperation for the club, really, whether that carries on and they they choose to to allow it next season is another thing but we would love those channels obviously to remain open um but again like to take on from roger there just as an, an extra thing i do think we we deserve an explanation but i think we deserve change too i think it's really important you can't just cover plasters over certain parts of, of issues i think it Bashiri probably should have come in changed changed house and it hasn't happened and i think this is the result of it you know we've just got areas of the club that maybe change and then the same thing happens it's it's just it's it's always going back to the same outcome and I think at this point now I think we need to have a, a, a full change I um I just don't know what they're scared of you know um I tweeted something about this the day you do Dave and um, Barry and Siobhan and others Tony it's great stuff um, but we also have a really rich and diverse fan media, whether that be podcasts like this or whether it be YouTube, whether it's, you know, the, the, the old school of Toffee TV and the new up and comings that, you know, various people. There's loads and loads of people who want to talk about Everton. And there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who are Evertonians around the world who want to hear it and receive it. And I cannot, for the life of me, understand why anyone on the board wouldn't want to come and talk on that forum, on any of these forums. Bill may be a bit busy, he may be uncomfortable, I don't know, but <clears throat> why Denise can't come out and talk to us? Why Richard Kenyon can't come out and talk to us? Uh, Mo does a great job, but Mo's, you know, Mo's Mo, he's at a level and he, you know, he's got a ceiling of influence which he can't get above. Um, why can't we have access? You know, Tom <clears throat> Davis has been out for how long? Why couldn't Tom Davis have come on any of these media? Um, these are we are the customers, we are the lifeblood, we are the custodians of the club. Talk to us, engage with us, tell us what's going on. We don't expect perfection. We may well have unrealistic expectations. Maybe we'll touch on that, but 
talk to us for God's sake. We're on side. You know, we are the we are the biggest mugs around. We are guaranteed punters year after year after year. 30,000 people renewed season tickets without knowing what league we were going to be in. Treat us with a bit of respect. You touched on a really good point there, um, Roger, and you're quite right to highlight, you know, how faithful we are as fans to, to being Evertonians, you know, that, 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 you know, that certain level of, of what we expect each year. Sometimes, we, we, you know, there is that feeling that's not reciprocated. Um, maybe it is time for the club to be bold, to try something new, to take off the, you know, the, the security of the reins that they've had it. I mean, I know we've only had, I think, uh, Izzy Christiansen came on one of our, our podcast, uh, Mike Hughes and the Bobblers. It's one of his family's friends, and that's how she ended up on the podcast. But even that resulted in a phone call to us previously from the club to say, you know, what are you going to be asking? What topics are you going to be done? It was just so kind of like structured, and you're thinking, you know, these are just human beings. And do you think that, that you know, modern day football center, you know, do you think that's adding to the, the, the this feeling of disattachment, you know, to, to the football club and players because there's so many barriers now put up and you know and, and often not visible barriers that, that we you know that we can't see. Yeah, it just feels like there's a it's it's an us and them situation. And then of course everybody gets the back up about it because like Roger said, we are the custodians and and you do have to question why there's so much of a sort of tight knit um you know no access sort of mindset mentality. Um, to me, I think it's really important that the club access those channels, you know, whether it be artists. I mean, there are so many graphic designers, all Evertonians too, and a lot of them worked when we were sort of doing stuff with the for towards the atmosphere, the banners, all those sorts of things. They all came from a really organic place. And the reason it worked was because it came from Evertonians. And I think the club, maybe the slowly but surely learning that, that that's the route. And it will feel organic. It will have that real um, integrity to it. And it will hopefully take us to, to Bramley Moor. And, and we will, again, we'll still have that identity, even though Goodison Park is such an important part of, of, of the club and our history and generations back. And yeah, it's, it's almost like we're having the same conversation, though. I mean, I was reading some WSAGs like 30 years ago, and it's almost the same thing. You know, it's, it's a closed shop. And there's so much um, fear, you know, that it's, it's endemic, isn't it? I don't know why they fear us, you know, without us, they've, they've got nothing. There's, there's no show, is there? So I think it's really important that they understand that because we love the club. Like Roger said, we're all absolute masochists and we will turn up <laughs> regardless. Although we do want the best and we will demand the best. And at some point people are going to get even more frustrated than they are and 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 expect only the best because we know what level we can hit now as a fan base the club have to follow suit do you think frank's changed it a little bit i mean we can look cynically at pitch invasions and him standing on top of the director's box singing spirit of the blues after the palace win but you know he got yandalf in at goodison didn't he or finch farm rather and he's got his arm out of the coach as the coach is leaving and he's fist pumping fans I think Frank gets it. I, I genuinely do, and I hate this. And he gets Everton. He knows the Everton way because that's total bullshit. But I think Frank understands the importance of the connection with the fans. Um, and I really worry that he's almost too smart for us and that he won't be allowed to do 
what he wants to do. Because I think if you said to Frank Lampard, will you come on Toffee TV? Will you come on the Bobblers podcast? Will you come on whatever channel it might be? Mighty Blues, Talking the Blues, I don't know, whatever one you want to pick. I think he would. I think he'd come and talk for half an hour because he's an approachable guy. He's a football guy and he can see an opportunity. But Frank wants to do it Frank's way. Um, he's not a yes man. He's not here for a final payday. This is his. This is going to be his seminal piece of work at Everton Football Club. This will define whether he ever gets another chance at a bigger club than us. Sorry, but there are bigger clubs than us. And I think he's going to want to do it his way. And I think he sees the importance of the fans. And I really, really, really hope that, you know, he's going to have a bit more control on some of those communication issues. And he's not going to be reined in by the corporate fear that we've seen in the past. Really I think at that point of the Palace... Sorry, I was just going to say at that point between... the, I think from the Palace game, I think both Lampard and the fans were completely aligned and it was probably our both of our peak powers. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think depending on which way he goes, I think the ball is very much in his court with the board and I think he's able to... Um, I think if he wanted to dictate anything going forward now at this very moment, I think he probably exactly. could. He's, he's got a sway, but... It, you know, it depends if he's, it depends what he wants to do. There was some mention, obviously, and I hate to mention his name, but, well, in fact, I won't, our manager at the start of the season um, and the whole Hicks and Gillette saga and how he kind of intelligently put himself in a position where he had total fan control and, and that removed Hicks and Gillette, obviously, and, you know, the rest is history. Um do you think there's an element that, that Lampard's obviously, as you say, Roger, I'm, I, I agree, actually, I think he's a really intelligent guy. You know, you, you, you've only got to watch some of them documentaries and, you know, he, he's very honest, he's authentic in his style. You know, he's he's someone that that, that inspires people, you know, and, and really can break them barriers down. It, it, I think he's put himself in a really good position, hasn't he? You know, really has, you know, and I think for once, if things were going wrong, then it wouldn't automatically fall on pointing the finger at the manager because that's probably for the last well since Mercedes come in you know it's a roller coaster sorry, more of a hamster wheel of you know 12 months in um, you know we start to point the finger at the manager 18 months in the shots you know we get someone else in same old players same old board and you're in the whole hamster wheel of looking to play the manager and you know we never really get anywhere you know and I think we do need a manager now that that, that has a sense of continuity you know, a manager who can actually implement his own style in terms of getting the players in because we've got, you know, we've still got players from Koeman's era, from Martinez's era, from Moise's era, you know, and James Coleman's still there. You know, just, just different characteristics, different styles. It'd be just nice, wouldn't it, to have a sustained period of continuity? You know, and, that, and like you say, Sarah, you know, we, you, you, you put that, that phrase on, on, on my mind, which is a state of Everton, yeah. You know, it felt like we did achieve that, you know, where everything was aligned. It would be nice, wouldn't it, to have that now and have it for a period of time where we can just enjoy football again. And, you know, we're not threatened every week wondering what's going to happen. Yeah, I think um, Frank is ideal for us because he's an intelligent man. But I think he may be a more intelligent man than he is a good football coach. And, and, and that's a bit of a fear. I remember doing a pod with... Um, with Paul Brown and Paul the Esk, where he said, you'll win some games and you'll lose quite a few games quite heavily. And I do worry about his ability to coach us defensively. 
um, whether that's just the personnel or whether it was pure desperation. But I'm happy that he's got good coaches in the background. And Clements, I think, is a very key figure. And if we can get your man from Chelsea, who's the free, um, you know, the, the, the set piece guru, that would be marvellous. But I'm happy with him running the footballing side of the club alongside Thelwell. I'm very happy with that. Um, and, and at the end of the day, let's be honest, these are proper professional athletes who, who should need more guidance than coaching if you get the right infrastructure. If you have the right infrastructure through the academy, then the players can move up through the generations and slot into the first team because this is the way we play. And I think that's the challenge for Frank is to establish an Everton style of play, whether that's three at the back, four at the back, whether it's a midfield diamond, whether it's four, five, one, whatever it is. I think we need that style of play because only that style of play, as we've seen across the park, you know, can give you a level of continuity and success over a sustained period of time. And I think that period of time across the park is starting to come to an end. But whisper that because I might be wrong. But it needed the right players at the right time. You know, their front three was their front three and it was the right style for them. Flat back four with wing backs, you know, it worked. Um, and, and I'd like to see Frank being able to put that style of play in. Um, but I don't know what that style of play is going to be, frankly. It does feel very much with Lampard that we're all aligned, aren't we, with Lampard? I feel like the fans and, and us and him, we've all sort of, we've shared that moment together, you know, the last few months. And it does feel like, you sort of hark back to the Kendall period of totally. him almost totally. being fired. And is it is it the start of something? I don't know. I mean, I think Lampard is a proven winner. We've not had anybody manage us like him before. Um, fresh, modern, modern winner. And he's come in. And who knows? I'd like to think that young plays he's going to attract, look up to him. You know, the Gordons, the Branthwaites. Obviously, Lampard is, is an icon of the game um, in the last sort of 10 or so years. Um, so let's think about that it's a totally different shift isn't it to anything we've ever had whether the club will be able to handle him I really don't know it's almost like it, we're on different leagues aren't we really but who knows I'd love to be proven wrong with him I think I fully respect and, and, and back him um, I think he's got um, a good head on his shoulders and I think as well more importantly he's learning on the game yeah, <laughs> so he, yeah, he's, totally. actually, he's learning as he's going so maybe it will you know it's been a big thing for him and, and he'll step up next season just before we move on to the next section we'll ask you about expectations there's been a lot of talk on this recently and obviously it comes up every year and you know should you know more often than not it's let's aim for Europe next year um, what should we expect as fans Roger um, should we expect Europe should, you know obviously you could argue we deserve Europe you know and that's where the club should be but what, what should we expect I've been um, looking at some numbers in the last couple of days and I know there are going to be more of these produced by the 27 campaign uh, in, in maybe in the next week or so but it actually quite scared me as a bit of an old fart um, that, that actually Everton haven't been as good as we think we have and that this notion that we're footballing royalty it somehow um, is, is a bit of a myth uh, I mean, we know we've nine times and that's great and we know we've been successful we've had short sustained periods of success but you know if I told you we played 119 seasons of top flight football do you realize that 46 percent of them that's uh, uh, 55 of them we've been outside of the top 10 you know so 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 
you know, let's just get this real for a while. We won the league nine times. We were runners-up seven times. And we finished in the top five 35 times and in the top six, top 10 rather, 64 times. Um, our average league position in the Premier League era is 10th, 10.4 if you want, uh, to, be, to be precise. And um, in the history of Everton Football Club, our average league position is 9.9, right? So, so, so in the Premier League era, our average points total is 52. That's over 30 seasons. And our average position in the Premier League era, 10th, as I, as I just said. The big six, whether you like them or hate them, the big six average 69 and a half points. We're 17 points off the big six on average every freaking season for the last 30 seasons. So talk me through this big club argument. Talk me through the footballing royalty. Talk me through. I don't get it. Um, and, and another, a friend of mine said yesterday, Mike Prenton, I'm going to, I think it was Mike. Was it Mike? Or it might have been big Dougie Wood, actually. We're never bad enough to be relegated, but we're rarely good enough challenge and if that's sno then i'm a gorilla you know so let's just get it right let's have it right let's be real now i want us to win things i want to compete i grew up in the 80s we were winning things uh, well i grew up largely in the 70s when liverpool were winning everything but i i grew up with the expectation that we were competitive at the top end of the the league and i still think man city are a smaller club than we are and i expect to beat them every time same with chelsea uh, but i'm obviously deluded um so the fact of the matter is what should we expect I think we should expect to finish um, somewhere around 10th. I think Europe would be an absolute bonus. We have not got a squad good enough for Europe. We are a long way off that, a long way off that. And I worry that, um, you know, again, we'll get ahead of ourselves. Let's get some realism. Let's get some perspective. And let's see a word that I don't like to use very often, but a little bit of progression, you know? And I don't mean finishing 15th. Because that would clearly be unacceptable, but let's let I, I think around tenth, anywhere between eighth and tenth would be good. Fantastic, Sarah, hard act to follow there. Um, <laughs> it was like a really rubbish. It's like a rubbish top of the pops countdown, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Coming in at number ten. <laughs> I, I, I mean, well, I think we. I listened to. Um, I think talking the blues. A few weeks ago, it was before it was before the last couple of games, and I think I think the ESC said something about us being relegated and what it would mean. And I think had we been relegated, this illusion of of grandeur that sort of I I think we have too, and I I, I fall into that as well. I think we're a, we're a big club in my head as well, um, historically. But I think had we been relegated, we'd have lost that you know in the remaining in the top flight for however many years. And if that had gone, I don't think we'd have had really many legs to stand on, to be honest. But we, as Roger has confirmed there with the stats, but um, it all to me, it all comes back to to the fans. We, we're at this really pivotal point now. We can build the club up ourselves. We're at the very bottom. You know, we're, we're lower than low. Let's build it up and let's work on what we've what we've started now. I almost ignore the fact that the the club is is. Uh, ran by a board that many of us don't really agree deserve another chance. I probably fall into that category too. How many times can you fail and also reward it? I'm not sure. Um, I think we've just got to keep chipping away, demanding more, demanding better. Just want, just want us to compete. 
you just really want us to turn up and compete and to actually see um, a sustainable club. You know that there's actually change, um, a youth system, that, that there's integrity to what we do. Like Roger said, a style, there's an identity. And whether that comes from the fans to the, to the, to the field or from the field onto the fans, whatever it is, we need to, to really just um, from the ground up now. I think we've tried too much. We've, we've tried Ken Wright sort of throw money at everything, you know, get machinery in. Everything's okay. We're Everton. Just throw millions at stuff. Everything will come good. And I think because we haven't got Europe in the last however many years, I think we've relied on, on that. And it's just completely fallen through, hasn't it? It's um, it's like castles made of sand, and and the result was last season, and we've it's been a long time coming. I think it it's caught up with us immensely, and um, we need to just reevaluate it as fans. What do we want? What do we want our club to be? You know, and let's 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 choose and 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 do that ourselves. Well, my biggest worry, but I admit, I was texting um, old, what you know, old EBM colleagues yesterday, Roger uh, Blainsey, and having a brief. Blainsey, Blainsey, live from Kissy Me. <laughs> and uh, he, I just wanted to ask him because I keep hearing the figure, Pandy drowns. You know, when we get to Bramley Moor, it'll be an extra hundred million pounds a season. So I wanted to try. You know, I know, I know he knows his stuff on on the old accounts and that stuff. So I just sent him a quick line just to see what his thoughts were and. When he started getting talking about it, you know, he started to talk about it and think, you know, I'm not going to even begin to try and, you know, explain what he was explaining to, but he was basically saying, obviously, one one element to that is the season tickets will rise again and that'll equate to a certain length, you know, maybe £35 million extra, but that'll be the fun stuff. And what it comes down to, I think, ultimately, if we were to get to anywhere near that level, is we'd have to rely on us maximising every single area of the club. And I know, Roger, this is an area that, you know, you've continually talked about over the years on EBM. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we look now and I, I went for a meeting with the club and I, I remember it was it was a Champions League night and obviously, you know, the, the, the shower over the park were parking up in Everton's car park. And I was like, what's going on here? And it turns out that, we, that, that basically um, that we, we leased the car park, ownership of the car park out. You know, it's like... Everything, you know, it's like we, we pass with the easy option everywhere, you know, the retail stuff. You know, I've been banging my head into the wall with fans for them. I'm trying to, you know, we've got, I speak to like Helga from the Norwegian Toppies, you know, Joe from the Irish Toppies, Sean from the Emerald yeah. Toppies. They're all desperate for kits, you know, uh, Lynn Troop from the Malaysia Toppies. They, 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 bite, they bite them off our hands if they could become available. In fact, I think there was one store in Europe that started selling them online and they were sold out within 48 hours as soon as the Norwegian Toppies clicked onto it. You know, you talk of massive potential, you know, the safes, the Rodriguez stuff, and we always go on this. But we're so safe, you know, whether that's a car park outside of Dagunston, the retail, but everywhere you look, we seem to be taking the easy option. And I just had that penny drop in my head thinking, wow, we could miss a huge opportunity here. Can we really have faith in the same people that are taking the easy options now to deliver when it really matters, when we've got the biggest commercial opportunity, probably of our, our lifetime and the history of the club? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's it, it's crackers that we are where we are now in the you know the first week of June, and there's still no sign of a kit. There's no sign of front of shirt sponsor. We haven't got a sleeve sponsor again. Um, uh, we 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 really, it's, I mean, it's really not good enough as a business. It's not good enough. 
But you can talk about AGMs all you like and shareholders all you like and the board. The fact of the matter is the issue is Farhad Mashiri, end of story, right? Because he owns 90 odd percent of the club. He can do what the hell he likes. And if he doesn't maximise his revenues, he really doesn't care. Now, he's thrown a lot of money at managers and at compensation and at players and at wages. And frankly, he's had enough of that. And I truly believe that now all he's interested in is selling the club for a profit. He's not going to sell it now unless somebody's very, very mad and gives him a large chunk of money and is prepared to fund Bramley more. So I think what we're doing now is we're treading water. I think we'll be paddling like Billy O under the surface to get to Bramley Moore in the Premier League. And then I think he'll sell us. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's just desperately frustrating that you can have this optimism because we've got the best manager that I think is a perfect fit for us, as discussed. And we did escape by the skin of our teeth and the fans dragged us over the line. And we should be optimistic for next season. But let's get realistic. Financially, we're in a pickle. We're in breach of FFP, really. Uh, we can't go splashing the cash. We're going to need to sell assets if we want to make any sorts of meaningful changes to the squad. And, and therefore, you know, whoever you've got running the commercial side of the business, if the owner isn't going to sack them for incompetence and uselessness, which is what they deserve. I've run sales teams around the world and grown revenue for companies and the way Everton is mismanaged and and, and just left derelict almost is, is an absolute disgrace and should result in the summary dismissal of everyone in the commercial team. But they're still there. It's the same people. It's the same people doing the same jobs. And it's Mashiri who's accountable. Not the board. It's Mashiri who's accountable. On that as well, Sarah, obviously there's been a bit of an article today from the Athletic suggesting that we may have a, a betting firm on, on as our main sponsor and possibly a crypto uh, sleeve sponsor. You know, obviously just the rumour at this stage. Models versus income, where do you stand? You know, I know it's a broad question, but can can we have can we have models where we are um over income or we, we or is this a result of what's happened to, to, to go with the biggest offer now? I think sign of the times. I mean we're desperate, aren't we? I mean, if you were a company and you were a, a seriously big company, would you touch us with a barge pole? Probably not. Um, so I think it's just taking what we can at this stage. And that's, that's the position we're in, like Rogers just said. Um, people that can are I in just, the club now. Sorry, can I just on. jump in yeah, for a sure. second? Sorry, because that is from that same article today. There's a quote from Richard Kenyon, who is Everton's Director of Communications, Revenue and International Growth. So just a small role. Um, and this is the quote. He says, across the club, we're looking at areas where we can generate more income. Well, well that's your job, Richard. Um, we need to be bringing more revenue into the football club so we can compete with clubs at the very top end of the division. Well, that's also your job. Um, we have a greater focus on maximising commercial revenue. I mean, that is just 100% corporate claptrap. There is no evidence of anything that is going to happen there. There's no idea of a new strategy. We can have offices in London. We can have offices in New York, employ consultants here or there. But we do not have a commercial plan a corporate plan to grow the revenues. And therefore, all that happens is every time we want to buy a player, everyone, every time we want to spend more on wages, we're in breach of the financial rules because we have failed to grow the club. We've left it derelict in the six the, years. The problem too. is, the problem is with that, exactly what Roger said, we, we're light years behind. But why? Totally. It's basics. It's basics. I mean, this... You, I hate to use them as an example, but you go across the park. It's a completely different mindset. And I know we need to find that balance because we are very different clubs. And I mean, coming from even just seeing the coach greets, we do things differently. Evertonians are completely different. It's a totally different feeling who we are, where we come from, right? We all know that. 
But in terms of the way they approach merchandise, the way they approach their outreach, they've stuck a flag in the city and I only need to walk through town. And we all know the, the amount of fans that you're going to see with, with their shirts on. Why, why are we not doing this? It's the basics. There's a pull for Everton. We're so historic. I don't understand this. And, and it's so easy as well. This is not difficult. This is not, you know, there's nothing difficult about this. We just have to do, get, get the best in to, to plan this out. We can afford the best. We could have afforded the best four or five, six years ago. And we, and we didn't do it. I don't understand why we were always late to, to turn up and we're always sort of catching up with ourselves. I just don't understand it. Comes back to identity as well, and like you say, you know, the identity tends to be us fans. But you know, if we if you put a red and a blue shirt next to each other, sadly at the you know John Lennon airport, more often than not, the you know the people coming through the airports are probably going to choose the, the red kit. Um, you know, and I think we've got to do things slightly different at the moment from where we are. You know, you look at Saint Pauli maybe in Germany that created a whole brand through what they do. So, do, do, do is there, what can we do to to make a difference and to get that uniqueness? From I mean, there's such an incredible story with Everton, though. How many people actually know it? You know, the, I think it, it's the, the classic, the further the back you look, the, you know, the, the further forward you can, you can, you can go. It, it, it's, it's just so simple to me. You just have to tap into our history. And there's elements of it, whether the people at the club understand it or they, they get the culture, Maybe they just see a face value or a surface sort of value of, 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 of what we are. I don't know. There's such a, a, a fantastic story behind Everton Football Club, St. Domingo. Just tap into it and, and go out. You know, take, take Everton Football Club around the world. I think it's so easy for them to do it. Use us. You know, let us channel it. Let us be the voice of our club. I mean, there's so many different ways to do it now. Everything's completely at the palm of our hands, isn't it? You know, we can speak to people across the world. I speak to so many Evertonians on a daily basis and they're from, from all over the world. And, and we've all got one thing in common. I don't understand how the club just don't tap into that. Agree more. Just before we finish, folks, I know we do a bit of a quick fire. I'm just going to, one question to Sarah and then one question to Roger and work our way through from there. Oh, uh, Sarah, uh, most, no pressure. <laughs> most unexpected moments of the season. Oh, probably the the dog. Got to be that dog. <laughs> that dog, hasn't it? Going along Goodison yeah. Road. <laughs> the canine overlord. Um, Roger, one thing that we have or haven't learned. One thing that we have, and one thing that we haven't learned. Um, okay. What I hope we've learned, I don't know what, who the we is, okay? So if the we is the football club, I really hope that the football club has learnt the power and influence of the fans. Uh, and the one thing that we haven't learnt is how to engage with those fans respectfully and productively and collaboratively for the benefit of everyone, not least of which a guy who's about a billion quid down already. There you go. Um, Sarah, biggest low? Biggest low. God. I, I don't, do you know, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if there were, 
Oh God, I, I can't even think of any lows. I just feel, I think the last three months have just felt numb. Can I just say consistently low? <laughs> I'll just say consistently low. Roger, biggest high? Biggest high? Why do you ask me that? <laughs> Can you on your toes? <laughs> oh, look, look, look. I mean, it's the DCL header all day long. It's yeah. it's just a piece yeah. of absolute magic. It's a perfect free kick. It's a perfect header. Um, you know, I think about his header away to Tottenham at the start of the season under Ancelotti that was absolutely brilliant. Bullet header into the top corner and we won 1-0 at the start of the season and the optimism that that came. And, you know, the scenario... Um, that header, that was the moment. I mean, that was, it was an incredible moment. It will live with me as long as the as the cup final win, as the league wins, as the um, as as even the Wimbledon escape. To be honest with you, but yeah, that was the high of the season. Uh, biggest thanks, Roger. Biggest um, shock in terms of over or underperformance from a player, Sarah. Biggest shock from under underperformance from any player, or overperformance, whichever one you want to choose. Overperformance. I think Pickford for me has just been outstanding, and he's got better. I mean, I thought he was he was he was at the sort of last season. I thought he was really coming into his own, but I think he's just he's been phenomenal for us, and I think he's probably kept us up. Thanks, Sarah. And we all we all we all look on don't we at the Premier League season. If you like me, you put a bit of an acid on who's going to win the league, the Champions League, and all that. But looking at the Premier League last season, Roger, um, in terms of how the teams performed across the league. Who surprised you the most in terms of league position where they finished when you, you know, that, that was totally probably against the prediction at the start of the season? Um, in a positive way, um, I think it'd be close between Brentford and Palace. Um because I think Vieira did a fantastic job. I think he got some good young players in, established a style of play, and um, I think he deserves a lot of credit. Um, and I think Brentford did it in a different way, but again, with an, uh, a manager who had brought them through with a philosophy and, and a togetherness and, and the signing of Christian Eriksen. I thought Brentford were you know, an example to everyone as how you come up and you stay up comfortably without compromising your principles. Fantastic, thank you. And I know that you push for time, so I'll, I'll, I'll park one topic we were going to discuss, Sarah, um, in terms of the uh, the legislative change in, in allowing fans to drink towards the pitch. I'll park that and grab you on another podcast if that's okay, because I know you're uh, you're on your rehearsals very short. It's okay. What was what was your high, Dave? What was your high? <laughs> I, I'd I'd say me, me high was 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 outside the stadium. I, you know, I I you know totally ropes off, you know, any kinds of coach welcomings and, you know, like yourself, was sat there wondering what I'm doing and if fans are going to turn up and how many would turn up and the relief mm. of being stood there and looking out and just really, to, for me, you know, I was kind of just wishing my dad was there with me, you know, looking around, it was a massive high and, and we haven't had many in the last couple of years and I just thought to myself, you know, it's, it is, a, you know, it's a family thing supporting Everton, isn't it? You know, it's a generational thing and looking there and it was, a, it was a massive high and a massive sigh of relief that actually, you know, that, that we've come together for once as fans, you know, so that was the biggest high. Yeah, love it. And Dave, can I just say, um, 
I know that your dad's very poorly at the moment, but I know a lot of people would like to wish him and you all the very best coping with it, very difficult circumstances. So big up to Mr. Witchley Senior. Definitely. Thanks, Roger. Thanks, Ella. Um, he's um, just for anyone that's wounded as well. No post last week. He is hanging in incredibly. Um, Cancer for thirty nine years, three bouts, and he was given seventy two hours last week to live. Still hanging in. You know, Kirby born and bred, Falcon Blues, ex captain. He's at a you know at the, the pub sides back in the time. So he's he's a tough man. You know, and good lad. So yeah, as are all Evertonians. Um, just before we finish, then I want to just give a quick shout out um, to a group that you would have seen launched yesterday, which was the 1878. There's a lot of questions around and a lot of people being asking on Twitter. And there was a space that was run last night um, answering some of them questions. I mean, ultimately, it, it's a collective of, of like minded fans, different ideas, different perspectives. Um, really engaged with one another towards um, the beginning of. That this year, you know, when, when we realised that things were going wrong and, 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 you know, the fans really didn't want to be in a position where, we, you know, that we, we hadn't done all that we could. Um, so a variety of fans come together. There were meetings that happened, you know, obviously the, the upturn and we would have seen at the Leeds game, you would have noticed a lot more banners floating the Gladys streets, you know, them gentle encouragement to, to bring uh, flags and banners. Um, but... That group now, obviously, we're involved in a lot of the, you know, the, the planning of the coach turning up. Um, I think the key is as well, they're not telling people what to do. You're just like-minded fans who are just encouraging people to do things different and try different ideas. Um, but you can be fans at, at 1878 on Twitter. Um, and they're looking really just to continue um, what we've seen, because I think we can all agree that we've actually really enjoyed that. You know, I think University accepted that it has improved the atmosphere. Um, and I think the key is that there's no credit needed for anyone. It's about all fans just working together. You know, anyone can put ideas forward and they can be contacted on that Twitter. You know, whether you're, you're just looking to retweet, um, bring a banner, come up with an idea for a song, you know, anything that you think that you can, you, can, you can suggest or, you know, it'll be taken on board. And this group obviously has developed a relationship with the club in terms of the fan engagement team. So there's going to be meetings obviously taking place over the summer to try and continue that that momentum forward and you know we've only got a couple of seasons left at the old lady you know so it's really important every single game gone now is, is one less that we're going to see there and you know if you think about it you know us as, as adults you know we want to see Goodison out the right way but if you think about the, the fans of the future maybe so then we can do it on on the shoulders of their, their parents seeing the coach welcome into a new era of Evertonia you know get involved you know and put ideas forwards, you know, I've just asked people to, to have an open mind to things. I didn't, I had to close minds and I've been proven wrong and I was glad, you know, because us being proven wrong is a positive because we actually see the positive impact of fans uniting, you know, rather than dividing. I know Twitter's the great divider, isn't it? You know, quite often people like to put the finger or drag people down and, look, you know, we're, we're just Evertonians together, you know, no better, no worse, we're shoulder to shoulder and there's nothing that can get in the way of Everton fans when they all unite. Um, Sarah, Roger, have I missed anything there? Um, any pleas to the fans out there? I think you make. I think there are two key points. What I took from what you said there, Dave, and one is that it's uh, open. People with different opinions willing to engage with each other. We talked earlier about board and senior management refusing to engage with the fans because they're seemingly scared. So. 
you know, we've shown and the fans showed through the end of last season that even though maybe coming from different perspectives, we had common objectives and common goals and, and the power of people coming together is is uh, exceptionally strong. And so the upper echelons of the club take note of that, please, if you're listening. Um, and the second point, which I think is even more important, and that's why the likes of you and Sarah, not blowing smoke at either of you, but Barry and Tony, Katie, Gemma, the view from the Bullins, boys and girls too, you know, None of you ever wanted any credit for what was going on. Um, whereas we know sometimes some of our executives and board members like to pat themselves on the back for record this and record that. This is about humility and you judge people by the things they achieve that people didn't know they'd done rather than what they brag about. So sounds like the 1878s are on exactly the right agenda from my perspective to encourage everyone to uh, participate, put their ideas forward, uh, not just for likes or retweets, but, but to, to make a difference. So good on them. I think that the more voices that are heard and the more voices come together, the stronger we probably become. And I think that's what's really key. And that's why it worked at the end of last season. It was it was everybody. And it, it, it literally took a movement of of every everyone in the fan base to, to create what, what what we achieved what an incredible thing and it almost felt as though every Evertonian that had ever graced Goodison Road in the last hundred or so years was with us you know it almost felt like it was it all came up to that that one moment it was a climax and it was incredible and if we can achieve that just from from being together and looking at the same goal imagine what we can we can do next season we just have to keep building on it now on Sarah and uh, thank you to, to yourself and Roger, two of your favourite Evertonians out there. Um, <laughs> finish actually on, on a pit and tune based on, on what Sarah's just said. He's just kind of led me up nicely to it. It's almost like these things are planned. Um, but the spirit of the blues, you know, it was a, a spirit that was maybe refound after, after, you know, being on the sideline for a long time. And as you quite rightly pointed out, you know, this club isn't about the owner, it's not about the chairman, it's not about the manager, or even the players. It's the fans and it's that spirit that kept this Royal Blue Hearts beaten and it always will be. Thank you for listening to The Bobblers and we'll be back certainly in a couple of weeks. Probably a lot more drunker, stood in the pub and probably won't be certainly as informative as the, the, uh, the stats and information <laughs> that Roger and Sarah provided us to this afternoon. It's been a rather, rather sensible one. Uh, so thank you for listening and uh, we'll catch you all very shortly, I'm sure.